5719, runway 27, line up away, traffic 5 miles, final cross the runway. 27, line up away, very good. 7 Hello, welcome to episode 9 of the Line Point Podcast. My name is Lucas. My name is Evan. My name is Jared. And once again, we are, not once again, I haven't said this yet, but we are close to episode 10 of our podcast, which is a big milestone for us. How are you guys feeling about that? Amazing. Well, yeah, it's it's been a journey. We've definitely expanded quite exponentially more than I thought, so that's good. 10 episodes, yeah. two guest hosts, and a whole lot of great discussions between the three of us. I mean... What more can you ask? What more can you ask for? Yep. Speaking of guest hosts and interviews, if you, you know, think you have a story or, I guess, you know, work in the aviation industry or, you know, have something interesting you want to talk about or be interviewed on our podcast, feel free to send us a DM on on our social medias. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into your weekly aviation discussion. Alrighty, so our first story today is going to be about ExpressJet or AHA or whatever other names the airline may go by nowadays, as it has shut down for the second time in two years. If you um, were following the industry uh, during the early stages of the early stages of the pandemic, you might have known that ExpressJet shut down in 2020. Uh, because United cut their contract, and of course, COVID didn't help with that. Um, but they eventually relaunched in the fall of last year as AHA, which stands for Air Hotel Adventure. Um, they started offering flights between Palm Springs and, uh, and Reno, and uh, they, um, they ceased operations. Um, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy um, earlier, uh, or I should say about a week ago at the time of us uh, recording. So... Needless to say, um, this is um, another unfortunate um, instance in the industry. And uh, to provide additional context, I just want to kind of take you behind the scenes as to what we do here. So prior to each episode, we you know come up with our stories and we sometimes have a little bit of a discussion on it. We kind of share our opinions with one another. And the first part of my opinion with this story was I'm going to be a lot more civilized when we record this. Um, but needless to say, um, you know, I think we're going to have a good discussion on this story. Um, so I'd like to open it up to to you guys. What are your guys' opinions on this unfortunate scenario that's happening? Here? I mean, I mean, you know, whenever the pandemic first hit, there was, as we know, and we've talked about countless times on this podcast, is there was a, there was a big setback for every airline, and I think with the United um, cutting Express contract, you know they were kind of hit rock bottom and they had nowhere to go. And whenever they opened up as AHA, they were doing all right, sort of. And then once this once COVID started kind of slowing down and people started going back to traveling and whatnot, um, flight travel was was getting a lot better. 
but with this shortage that we've talked about, it's not going to help. And you know, with a <clears throat> with a airline that has such a small route network as AHA and operates one type of airplane, it's not going to be the best for every customer. It's only going to be for a select customer. So I mean, that's definitely a problem that I see, and it's definitely not good for Express Jet's, um, you know morale it's not good for their reputation to have you know falling for bankruptcy or maybe i don't even i don't know if they filed for bankruptcy the first time but shutting down their operations twice in two years is definitely not good for their reputation in my opinion and i want to give them credit for like starting back up after united cut them off not many airlines will go out of their way and rebrand themselves from ExpressJet, in this case from ExpressJet to AHA Air Hotel Adventure, and try to make a new name for themselves. I think that we should give them credit for that for for trying because there right. was an there was a can I find the word for it um, attempt attempt or there was views of the owner of management and the owners to want to continue this airline. And not just throw it to the dump, um, right? Because that's so what we starting see. it back up again and rebranding was. I, I'm going to give them props. Like, yeah, I mean that's what they, we see. They, they survived for what, like eight months, like. <laughs> but I mean, we see I mean, we see that, this with a... with a lot of air, like smaller airlines that have to get subsidized by these big national carriers. Like we we saw <clears throat> the um, Trans State Airlines disappear. We've seen. A lot of other, you know, smaller regional airlines that operate, you know, one or two airplanes, you know, they fall under because they don't have the, the funding and the, I don't know if I don't know if management is a problem. I don't know if staffing is a problem. Maybe for AHA it is, but there's there's a lot of not a lot of these smaller problems affect these smaller airlines more so than they do the big carriers, and that's definitely a reason for this. So my first opinion. Yeah, like my first opinion when I when I read this story um, was, was quite the opposite of what Lucas was saying, and, and it would be simply put, "Are you kidding me?" Um, that's <laughs> that's the way I saw it because you know this was an airline that shut down twice um, in two years, and you know I do understand Lucas where you're coming from in that hey, you know you didn't let the pandemic stop you, you relaunched a second time, but I think of it as you know the impacts that this will have on the thousands of employees that um, either work for AHA directly or contra or were contracted out for AHA. Um, and look, the thing with AHA is that it was more or less, it was a budget airline. That's what it really was. And, you know, there are airlines in this country that have a well-established reputation um, for being a very steady and secure place to work. You take regionals like SkyWest and um, Commuter, and all of the other, you know, regionals out there, um, like Sky or sorry, um, like all the American um, wholly owned regionals, you know, um, those are very secure. Um, ExpressJet we thought was very secure before the pandemic, and then United cut their contract. The pandemic didn't help, and they got cut. But um, you know, and then there are airlines that run entirely off of the essential air service, where they receive pretty much all their funding, or not all their funding, but a good amount of their funding um, from the U.S. government. Um, to basically run these routes into airports that very few people want to fly into. Like boutique. So that's how, 
yeah, boutique Cape Air has a lot of essential air service routes. Um, yeah, Denver Air Connection. So those are very secure airlines too. But then you have the budget airlines, and you know this is not a well-established budget airline like Spirit or Frontier or Allegiance. This is Aha, an airline that's been in business for not even a year. Um, and there's a reason I tread extremely carefully with budget airlines, and I think this should be a lesson to all the current budget airlines out there that are just starting off, particularly Avello and Breeze. Um, tread very carefully, especially in this day and age with how the economy is, with how everything has always been. Right. Because, you know, if it only takes eight months for a pretty, I mean, like ExpressJet was pretty big and in the United days. Like it was, it was operating. Pretty stable, yes. Sorry? It, it was pretty stable. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was operating, you know, in, out of, mo- out of, at least a pretty a good number of the United hubs and had a pretty good route connection going but once that that subsidization from United was cut they had they had nothing and they had they had to kind of you know disappear for I don't know how long they were down for but once they came back up you know they were relatively all right you know they had that one route that was going and they have that that small fleet of embraers but they were doing all right and they kind of expand. They expanded a little bit. I don't know how big their route network got, and I don't know if they ever ordered more planes, or if they ever moved any from their storage. But it kind of goes to show how these these regional airlines rely on the big on the big carriers because that's how they that's how they get their staff. That's how they get their um, connections to the to the customer because the customer buys the ticket through. You know, if they're flying through United, they buy the ticket, but they're flying on Mesa Airlines. Or they buy the ticket and they're flying on SkyWest or whatever. So I think that's another thing we should know is that these smaller regional carriers really rely on the big carriers. And whenever you see something like ExpressJet, they go off on their own and try and, you know, survive, especially like you said, Jared, how the economy is and how everything in the world is right now. It's going to be a little difficult. What I would also say is, you know, to kind of add insult to injury here is that, you know, this airline, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And, you know, the whole are you kidding me part might sound a little bit harsh, but here's the thing. If you booked a ticket, if you I'm, I'm still here, I didn't cut out, I promise. Um, <laughs> if if you booked a ticket on AHA, OK, if you booked a ticket on a, on AHA in the last few months, um. I hope you did it with a credit card and I hope that your credit card company is going to process a charge back because what they're basically saying to their customers is that if you booked a ticket with us, you need to go to your credit card company and dispute the charge. Otherwise, you'll have to try your luck in bankruptcy proceedings. And that's not good. You know, um, that's that's very that's very bad. Um, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which if I if you know, it's going to be it's going to be a long, you know tedious monotonous process yeah exactly it's good it's gonna take a while and um to be quite honest i've never seen an airline shut down and basically say you know you're pretty much out of luck yeah yeah (laughs) um that's pretty much what they're doing you know yeah but uh, one thing that i do want to say is that everybody's not out of luck and i don't know if this is a good time to bring this up but the second kind of subtopic that we have is the the pilots that flew these aircraft for AHA have 
Jared, I don't, I don't know. Is it, is it, they all, all, of, every single one of them got offers, job offers at uh, Piedmont Airlines. Yeah. So, um, so basically, what's going on right now is, um, Piedmont um, announced last week that it's going to provide um, employment relief to seniority list pilots at ExpressJet. Um, and this and this is because um, Piedmont has um, in their con in their pilot contract what's referred to as dis uh, a distressed carrier provision, and it basically allows the company to offer pilots at carriers deemed distressed a safe haven for employment. And the best part about this is that it actually includes longevity-based pay as well as bonuses, and you know so it's not all bad, okay? And um, some of the you know and we talked about. The whole, you know, you can flow through from one of the wholly owned subsidiaries of American, um, you know, one of the regionals that are wholly owned by American directly to American. Um, so these people, you know, who are now laid off are being offered this wonderful opportunity um, that's going to really help solve this pilot shortage, at least at one airline. Um, and they're also going to be able to take advantage of, you know, over a hundred and I believe it was like a hundred and eighty thousand dollars or so worth of bonuses. Um and I'm not going to read through all of them just for the sake of time, but, um, you know, one of them, I'll just name one of them. You get a $25,000 bonus when you float through to American. And you get a $7,500 bonus just for having a 145 type rating. All these people fly the E-145s. Piedmont flies that aircraft. So it's going to be extremely easy for these people to transition over to Piedmont. So that's a really good opportunity for them. And I hope every single pilot that wants to continue th with their career takes advantage of it because they're going to be set for the rest of their careers. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, for at least for pilots, like, and I don't imagine it would be too difficult for other members of staff at the airline, but I mean, we've talked about as on countless occasions about the, just the sheer shortage of people in aviation right now, especially in the United States. You know, I don't think they're going to have too much difficulty finding a decent, you know, alternative alternative job that they can rely on. That's not gonna, you know, file for bankruptcy and have leave them without work and just say, "Good luck," you know, finding your way through life because we're gone. You know, I mean, at least f for where I live, and er, sorry, Commute Air flies the E one forty five out of here for United. And they have a pretty pretty sizable fleet, and they they have like, I think, they have an entire section of a terminal dedicated to the UN forty fives. So I mean, just the sheer amount of staffing that would go into there, I don't I don't imagine that these people have too difficult of a time finding a, a new job. Let's go to let's go through a little history of ExpressJet. Um, they were founded in nineteen eighty seven. Um, I just want they aren't they. What's the word for this? They are no stranger to difficulty, I guess. Um, I guess anything can go so many um, difficulties before they, you know, ultimately crumble, like with the, what happened here. So they were founded in 1987 after Continental Airlines acquired a few of the airlines, which included um, ExpressJet. That lasted 18 years um, until Continental reduced the ExpressJet fleet. Um, after that, ExpressJet you know, began to operate independently. Um, and after that, it changed operation numerous times. And it shut down a large of its, most majority of its services from 2008 and 2009. But 
United Express still took them under their wing until they cut off ties in 2020. So they've been through a lot, and I guess while looking at this is about time, it was like almost a ticking time bomb before things finally fell fell uh, yeah fell through and crumbled. I mean, the past two years for every airline has been difficult. So people that are trying to make it on their own, you know, you would imagine things like this to happen, and it's not. I mean, it's not something that you gotta, you know, it's not something that's all bad. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So like this airline fought and okay, go ahead. Yeah. Here. So it's it's not it's not all bad. You know, these pilots actually have a tremendous opportunity um, to not only you know join another company, but join a company which is gonna, um, which is going to basically secure their the rest of their careers. I mean, they're gonna start at Piedmont and give it a couple years. They're gonna flow through to American, and they're gonna be making a lot of money, and they're gonna have a very um, stable career. Very stable career. Um, right. But but look, I hate to be that one guy. I hate to be that guy who's negative. But you know, what about the flight attendants? What about the the ground staff? What about? Um, well, I mean, I kind of mentioned that. Like, yeah, we've talked about it in other episodes. How it's not just the pilots that's in that we're having a shortage of. It's it's airport staff. It's gate agents, flight attendants. You know, any everybody that works in the well-oiled machine of airlines. You know, there's there's jobs that need to be filled regardless of where you live because you know like i I don't i don't want to seem too repetitive but i've said this in other episodes you know during this sort of covid um you know aftermath we're seeing you know all all of a sudden of oh crap you know we need people to do these jobs that haven't been needed to be done for two years and you know that's just a i mean i'm not saying that everybody is gonna have you know, a super easy time finding a job because it never is, but I'm saying it's not going to be as difficult as perhaps it was a year ago. I will say, I will say a couple things to that. First, like during my last semester of college, I was freaking out. I was like, what the heck am I going to do when I graduate? So I started applying for jobs and the, and the reality of it is, you know, on paper, it looks like a lot of these companies are hiring. Right. Um, but I would say, you know, for every, you know, three or four jobs I apply to, you know, at least two of them would either flat out ghost me or respond to me before, you know, I was even able to proceed any further saying that we've decided to move forward with other candidates. And number two, I don't know how many times I've seen ads for um, hiring events um, here in Boston for Delta, like Delta's looking for Rampage. It's I've seen so many advertisements right. for so many hiring events. So, you know, it's it's quite clear. Um, it's it's quite clear that you know airlines need people. That a lot of companies need to hire people. But we're getting a lot of mixed messages out there, right? You know, we've t- we've heard about the whole labor shortage and all of that. But you know, is there really a labor shortage? You know. Is there really a shortage of people who want to work at some of these places, or is it a hiring shortage? And depending on who you talk to and depending on where you apply, you're going to get a different answer every time. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of agree with that. But, I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I don't think that – I don't think that it's the – it's not, it's not going to always be the, the corporations, you know, I guess – it's it's on their shoulders at the end of the day to make decisions, but whenever you have a bulk of people that are applying for a job, 
especially in aviation, and they every single one of them has the same credentials, you know, like pilots. If you have people that are applying and they're, they all have 1,500 hours and they all have all these certs and they've all flown the E-145 and they all have that type rating, but there's this one guy and he was a military pilot and he stands out above the rest. He, they're the, that's the guy they're going to pick nine times out of ten because he has that extra credential. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a I guess, um, instance by instance thing. Like it's just a specific thing for each situation that or each job that you're going into so i mean i'm not i'm not trying to act like i have experience because i don't but i'm saying hypothetically that i don't i don't i doubt it's gonna be once again that difficult for everybody to find a job your mileage your mileage is going to vary here um what i would say is it depends on it depends on where you're applying to. It depends on what kind of job you're applying to, right? Um, what kind of job you're applying for. So, like a couple of years ago, I was speaking to a Delta pilot, and he actually told me that at Delta they have about fifteen thousand pilot applications on file at any given time. Fifteen thousand pilot applications. So the shortage is not at the legacy carriers; it's at the regionals more than anything. And right, one of, as we talked about in a previous episode. Um, there were a lot of complaints coming from like Delta's pilot union saying, Hey, you know, we need to expand our training resources so that way we can continue to support um, flight operations as much as possible. We have the people, but we can't get them through training in a timely enough manner. So here we are um, kind of stuck, you know, in this limbo, we have enough people, but we, you know, we have enough people, but we don't have enough people actively flying on the line. And, you know, hopefully with this express jet, uh, or with Piedmont offering ExpressJet pilots this opportunity, um, a lot of it will change at Piedmont and therefore hopefully American in the next few years. But um, it's going to be a process that takes a while um, to get resolved. And then, you know, in 10 years, we'll probably have another pilot shortage for all we know. Uh, to go ahead and uh, kind of bring this episode to a close here, I want to go ahead and um, kind of have a little story time about my... Um, experiences flying on the great old United Airlines. So, uh, it was what two and a half weeks ago today. Um, yeah, I was out for a few episodes, so that's I, I was traveling, and um, so I, so I had a trip planned to Mexico, and so I'm just gonna go ahead and start. So we we arrived to the airport, you know, you know how. Some parents are. They like to arrive super early if it's an international flight for no reason at all. And you're sitting at the gate for like three hours because you get through you get through security. So, yeah, we do that. We arrive super early. We get our bags. Um, we get our bags checked. We get some food, go through security. Get to the gate. It's like three hours before we depart. <clears throat> so whatever. Like, we just sit and chill, hang out, listen to music. And comes to about an hour before departure time, so people are trying, people are starting to fill in at the gate. You know, more people are getting getting ready to board and whatnot. And we were there, and the the aircraft that's supposed to be taking us arrives from. So I live in Houston, and they and they had just arrived from New Orleans. And okay, so our plane got here. You know, the pilot. In my head, I'm like, okay, the pilots are going to stay on board. They're going to get this thing turned around, and we're going to get out of here. And about five minutes later, 
I see what to me looks like a captain, a Czech airman, and a really super young first officer. So to me, it looked like, you know, they just got off a training flight or whatever, and and they're going to go ahead and go on their own way, and our new pilots are going to come. Well, lo and behold, about 20 minutes later, the gate in comes and says, Mesa Airlines just contacted me, and we don't have a crew for you, so I'll be back in an hour. So I'm like, oh, great. An hour past the departure time. You know, we're going to be delayed an hour. It's not the worst I've ever had. You know, it's it's going to make you a little, give, give you a little bump in your day, because, you know, I'm excited. I want to get to the beach. But whatever, you know, I'm going on a vacation not to worry about. Nothing, nothing, nothing to worry about. So, you know, I go for a walk, check out the other sections of the terminal, go get a coffee, come back. It's about, so my depart, the departure time was at like 11.15 or something in the morning. It's like 12.15 now. I'm back at the gate. The gate agent comes on. So... We still do not have crew lined up for you guys. Uh, we're going to bring some snacks and beverages, and I'll be back on in an hour. Oh, great. So another hour of delay. You know, whatever. Two hours, not the worst I've seen. Definitely seen worse, but this isn't this isn't too great. And you know how United is. So go on another walk. Take the, um, the SkyTrain to the other term to the big international terminal and get some pictures of some other aircraft. You know, normal av geek stuff. And then I walk back to the gate and it's now two thirty or sorry, two fifteen. And I get back to the gate and the gate agent comes on and says, We have a crew for you, but they don't land for twenty minutes and they're gonna be in another terminal. It's like, oh, great. So they don't land for 20 minutes. They're going to land. Then they have to taxi for like 10 minutes. And they have to shut the plane down and get everybody off. And then they got to walk all the way to our terminal across the airport. So it's probably going to be close to another hour before we depart. So at this point, I'm just like, all right, this isn't going to phase me. I'm just going to sit here until the pilots get here, and then we're going to board. So the pilot, sorry. Pilots don't get there. The pilot gets there. It's just one guy, and he gets there. And nobody knows where the where the other pilot is. And the get agent's like, okay, we got flight attendants. We have a singular pilot, so that means we're allowed to have you guys aboard. And, okay, you know, whatever. I'll just sit on the plane and enjoy the ramp views for however long it takes this other guy to get here. So we board. I do my normal av geek stuff and go take a picture of the cockpit, talk to the captain. And I'm trying not to disturb him because I know he's busy, so we talk for like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever. Go back to my seat. I'm in Economy Plus, you know. Got my window seat as normal. And about 20 minutes passes. And no first officer. And then the captain comes on and says, yeah, we're still waiting for the first officer. Everyone's boarded at this point. Captain comes on and says, yeah, we're still waiting for the first officer. Then he get, finally gets to the plane. We get set up. We're, we're thinking, okay, cool. We're going to push back and get the heck up out of here and get on to our, with our vacation. Now it's like almost 4 o'clock. No, sorry. It's past 4 o'clock. And we're like, okay, dude, can we freaking depart? And then once you think we're ready to depart, the captain comes on and says, so there's some weather in the area, which means we need to take some extra fuel 
and the fuel truck is not able to be here for like 10 minutes. So we have to wait another 10 minutes, and it's like just adding on time and time and time and time till we finally depart. And it's like, okay, woohoo, we're getting getting on with our with our vacation and whatever. We land in Mexico. I have to speak Spanish because none of my family speaks Spanish. And this is an area of Mexico where there's hardly any um, people that speak English. And we get there, get get on to our taxi, get to the hotel. <clears throat> it's like 7 o'clock at night. You know, it's getting dark. And we were just all kind of bummed because we wanted to get there and have, you know, the rest of the day to kind of hang out at, by the beach or by the pool in the sun and enjoy the day. You know, we were supposed to land at like 2.30 or something, and we weren't there until almost nighttime. And it, it was just kind of kind of a bum thing that kind of bummed us out. But <clears throat> the flight back was pretty seamless. Um, we had a good we had a good trip, and then the flight back was pretty seamless. Um, nothing really to complain there except the fact that whenever we landed, we landed at a terminal without a with we had, we landed at the terminal that was literally the farthest possible landed at the gate that was literally the farthest possible walk from the uh from the customs line. So we literally had to walk across the entire airport. And Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston, if you've ever been here, is like a very big airport to have to walk around, especially when you can't get on the sky sky uh what do you call it? Skybridge train to get to the other terminal. So we had to walk like two miles to finally get to customs. Clear customs, we're back and that was my United Airlines uh, <clears throat> travel, I guess, not really nightmare, but grievance. So I think before I hand it over to you guys to kind of give your opinions, I'm just going to say one thing, and that something that I've reiterated this episode and something that I've reiterated in other episodes is simply the pilot shortage. And, you know, if this if this happened before COVID, like, they would have found a crew and in the blink of an eye, or pretty relatively quickly. Because it's the morning in Houston. And by the way, one thing I didn't mention about the crew. Actually, I never mind. I did, I did say it was a training flight, so never mind. But, um, yeah, before COVID, they would have found a crew no matter what. Especially if it's, like, pretty early in the day. And, you know, no one's really maxed out on their hourly during the for the entire week. So, um... Yeah, other than that, I just want to turn it over to you guys to see if you have anything to say before we kind of wrap wrap up this episode. Well, I was going to say, uh, welcome to the friendly skies, but you were on the ground for a while, so... <laughs> the not-so-friendly sky. Well, they. to be fair, to be fair, the crew was very friendly. You know, the flight attendants were super friendly. Gate agent was really accommodating with all the people that were kind of mad about the delays and whatnot. They brought us drinks and snacks at the gate while we were waiting so i mean you know united in this situation you know other than you know of course hiring more pilots it's not really something that they can really control oh yeah well, i mean oh, yeah, also absolutely. crew scheduling because it's mesa airlines so the crew scheduling is different but yeah um, yeah just to be fair with that kind of stuff at the at the end of it all like you know that's understandable right like look not all delays are you know the fault of the airline um, obviously with the yeah. short, you know, with the pilot shortage, I guess you could kind of blame it on the airline, but not really. Um, so that's understandable. Um, but it's all about how the airline handles the delays as a passenger, never, 
you know, yell at the gate agent or other ground staff. Don't do that. that that's not nice. Yeah. It's not going to get I you. See, I see videos on social media of these people that get so mad at these, you know, these staff members. And it's just so sad because, like, you know, their day is completely ruined because of something that's out of their control. And just a customer just kind of, you know, gets mad at them or whatever. And that's just something that's not fair to them. So I just want to reiterate that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... <laughs> Yeah, you're good. It's it's all about it's all about respect. You know, you have to be you have to be respectful. You know, the best the number one thing I would say is you know if you are not satisfied with the airline service, don't yell at a gate agent, don't yell at a flight attendant. It's the quickest way you can get you. That's the quickest way you'll get kicked off the aircraft and possibly get put into handcuffs. Um, but if you want to express your displeasure, do so by not flying on that airline again. That's really all I have to say about that. Or take it up with, or take it up with the customer service, or somebody that you can get on the phone with. Because I'll guarantee you, if you tell the gate agent, or if you're mad at the gate agent because your plane's delayed, that gate agent is not going to be able to magically make that plane not get delayed. But something you can do is actually formally contact the airline, and you know because they care about your opinion just as much as they care about anybody's opinion. And they want to hear your opinions on, you know, whatever issue. So, I mean, if you if you really feel like some it's something that needs to be brought up with the airline, then just to kind of piggyback off of what Jared said, you gotta talk to somebody that has some kind of authority at the airline. Other than that, uh, Jared, is there any anything you wanna, or Lucas, is there anything you wanna kind of um, mention before we kind of close this out? Well, I don't know if I should bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up. A few weeks ago, I was flying home from Montana, uh, going through Bozeman, and it was a hot day, so they had a passenger limit because of the heat and, you know, all the stuff that goes on when the weather is hot and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the day before, I got a notification in the app saying they're taking volunteers to move to later a different flight for that day because they were what 15 people overweight um and it was a full flight in the first place and so you know i didn't have to be home like you know home quick i could have been home the next day and whatever and so i put hey, my I'll name take down your 500 voucher right i know here. i put my name down for a 300 voucher which would have been the same about the same price as my whole trip so i'm like okay i'll take a i'll take a round trip um, i'll take a free trip just I'll to take a free trip back day. to montana or somewhere else um and that's so, something that the airlines love to do is if you're willing to extend your trip or if you're willing to take that later flight you know they're 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 gonna be willing to give you a travel you voucher and Exactly, um, but so exactly because so they sorry. said everybody that volunteered please stay and don't board right. I'm on like boarding group three. This is American Airlines, by the way. I'm in boarding group three, so I'm one of the first boarding groups. And he tells us not to board the ones that volunteered. And once everybody's boarded, then they're going to see if they have any open seats, and they'll get those vouchers handed out. He boarded everybody, and he's like, "Okay, we have seven seats." So he grabs a family of four and a family of three, puts them on the plane, calls me over to get the voucher set up. This is this is after they've closed the boarding door, by the way. And goes, okay, let's get you get let's get this flight figured out, right? Out of nowhere, he goes, Oh, I have a seat for you, get on the plane. The boarding door is already closed at this point. 
They open the boarding door, and I have to walk towards the middle back of the plane as the last person on flight. And I was I was mad because like I'm like I'm getting this voucher. I'm gonna have a, a free trip back to Montana or you know <laughs> back home since I'm don't really live a drivable distance from home at where I'm at in college. And I was excited for that voucher. And he's like, get on the plane. I wanted, I, I wanted to display my displeasure so bad, and I didn't. I'm like, okay. It you got to have composure. Like, I, like, okay, I, I composed myself. I'm like, okay, it just would have been more convenient if I could have gotten a later flight, but I'll get on. And I got on without my voucher. So just goes to tell you, just be nice to the flight attendants. They, their goal is to get as many people on the plane as they can in a timely manner and Question it only about makes that. their job harder. Did you get a window seat? Well, of course. I don't fly if I don't get a window seat. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll pay a little extra if I can, if I need to, to get a window seat. I think That's we can all. So you just, you, just, you just luckily got the last seat on the plane that happened to be. Oh no, seat. I got the seat that I booked. Oh okay. Just all right. I didn't want it at that. point. I see what you mean. But yeah. Well, I mean, Jared, is there anything else you want to add? No, I mean, that's really all I have. Just, uh, you know, delays happen. You know, be nice. Treat everyone with respect. And the best way to express your displeasure is to not fly on the airline that you uh, booked a ticket for anymore. Thanks for listening to the Lot Up and Wait podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LUAW underscore podcast. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash LUAW podcast. Well, you've been holding a position for more than 90 seconds. So with that, you are clear for takeoff.